Hello and welcome to The Cyber Cookie. In our latest episode, we record a live fireside chat with CyberSafe Kids CEO, Alex Cooney. CyberSafe Kids is an important charity that Comsec work with, who work tirelessly to educate children, parents and educators about the benefits of online safety. During their chat, they discuss some of the challenges in schools, with teenagers, social media and smartphone devices, as well as other topics. As ICT professionals, we have the power to spread the message for a safer internet for children and for everyone in the future. I hope you enjoy the episode. Please like, share and subscribe to help us spread the word. So pop on the kettle, make yourself a cup of tea or coffee and your favourite treat and enjoy today's episode. We got involved with CyberSafe Kids, uh, I think, four years ago, Alex. Definitely, no, God, it's called by me quick. And so CyberSafe Kids educate uh, children on the safe use of the internet, but also parents as well. And as a parent uh, myself, um, it was so important, particularly from my kids growing up through the years, um, is knowing what they're putting out on the internet and who they're talking to and how safe it is and how unsafe it is. So uh, Alex has uh, joined us today because I think this is a really important topic. It's not just businesses that are affected, uh, it's humans, it's people, it's children, and it's the safety of children, um, and the education of children right up through the years will change the approach to security in the long term. So uh, I'm delighted Alex has joined us for what we're calling the Fireside Chat. Thank you. So, did we get a second mic? No. No. Okay. So, <laughs> I'll speak very loudly. I got quite a loud voice as well, so maybe I'll tweet you. You don't need it. Yeah. So, um, CyberSafe Kids, but it gives a bit of background and tell us exactly, Joe, from your perspective, Ponce, Weedy and Gordon, and Adam Gimbech, any our children, and, and the parents supervise the access to the online internet and content that they're seeing online. Yeah, so Sign and Save Kids is a, is a charity. We set it up eight years ago, so 2015. I'm a co-founder along with Keila Kerling, who is a cybercrime investigator, and Dr. Maggie Brennan, who is an online child's exploitation specialist. And we were all parents of young kids, and we sort of saw this coming down the track. Um, and Keila at the time was volunteering in schools with a, with a foundation, just uh, to these kids about how to save their lives. And it really struck her, so she was going to primary schools, and it really struck her how engaged children were, how enthusiastic they were, how much they loved it. But there was this real gap between you know, their levels of access and what their parents knew and understood in terms of what they were doing online and what their teachers knew and understood of what they were doing online. So we wanted, by setting up this charity, we wanted to try to bridge that gap. And raise that broader message that if children are going to be online that we need to equip them uh, so that they are well prepared they're well supported you know sending young children ill-equipped into the online world we felt was very risky uh, and that they are exposed to a number of concerns as, many, as much as there are mental opportunities and we're absolutely not anti-tech we're not saying turn off these and the kids or anything like it we're saying let them make the most of those opportunities, but do so in a responsible, prepared way. Um, I, I know you recently published a report, uh, which you have here, and the 
because a few blocks yep. drive around. And we uncover the key findings of those reports in terms of the age of children ac- accessing the internet, boys, girls, uh, what what their understanding of it was. So maybe yeah. we'll talk a little bit about that. So we've been doing this report for seven years. In fact, you and I first met when you came and you'd already been very highly excited to support us, which was great. And you came on to our report officer that we did in 2019. Um, so we've been doing this for a long time, and we, we survey a big number of kids. This year was based on over 5,000 responses, and we've had primary primary school-aged children, because, again, we want to be with kids when they're first starting, uh, but also secondary school in children for the first time. So we started delivering our programs into secondary school last year. So it's a real opportunity, actually, to compare and trust what kids are doing at that younger age group with the older. So some of the findings were, uh, you know, not surprising to us because this is very consistent. Ninety three percent of children own their own smart device, and we, you know, that's games consoles, that's tablets, that's smartphones, and so on. In fact, at the younger age bracket, kind of eight to ten, tablets are the most popular device, followed by games consoles, followed by smartphones. Smartphones increase as they get older. So as children hit eleven, twelve, they become the, the more popular device, and then, and when then in the secondary school. They all nothing. So, uh, and then the other thing we found, which again, is very consistent, 84% of the children that we surveyed who were aged 8 to 12 had their own uh, um, social media based messaging account. And that is despite those minimum age restrictions on all of the popular apps of 13. Some of them have 16. So we know for a fact, and we've actually looked into this in other research, that age restrictions, that they stand at the moment, are not working. We also have in Ireland a digital age consent of 16, um, and there was a big debate on this back in 2018, uh, and uh, we set it at 16, but clearly that's not working. And obviously there's parental involvement in some of these decisions as well. It's not just children going by their parents' back, although that does happen too. Um, um, in terms of the kind of 8 to 12-year-old, so what type of exposure does it get from um, strangers, for example? Yeah, so we asked children in two different types of contexts. So one, it would be the online gaming context, uh, whether they ever play with people that they don't know. And about a third of children in the age 12 group said that they did. Um, but actually, it's two thirds of the children who were gaming said that they had been contacted by someone they didn't know either kind of ever so often or frequently. Uh, so it's a very common thing. And these are often multiplayer games that they're playing. So it's encouraged that they do play with others. So we've tried to nuance our message to and sort of say, you know, ideally only play with people that you actually know offline. Uh, but if you ever find yourself playing with people that you don't know in the context of an online game, then make sure that that chat ends at the end of that game. You're not sharing any personal information during the course of that game. It's simply the chat is focused on the game and on the game alone. And if something makes you uncomfortable in that game, um, then you, you leave. Um, and we're also seeing uh, that a lot of the boys, well, a lot, 20 percent of the boys that were surveyed at age, age 12 were playing it over 18s games. And the names that we would often see that they cite are Grand Theft Auto and Call of Duty. And, you know, there is a reason why those games have age ratings of 18 and it is teaching it's early. And it comes up in every school. There'll be at least one or two kids uh, in each class that, that have experience of playing those games. So that's that's presenting. And in the other context, sorry, I'm trying to keep my last bit um, is social media, which is actually different. You know, so how many friends or followers that you don't know on social media is 
probably something that we're more concerned about because, you know, the way we use social media, we paint this very intimate portrait of our lives, you know, into all design for us to share, share, share. You know, where where are we right now? You know, post that location, post the, you know, the, 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 you know have, our, have our settings to public by default. Um, and and a third of children also told us that they had friends or followers that they didn't know. Uh, and the main reason why they chose to accept that was because it was a friend of a friend, which obviously does seem safer to a kid. And we'll talk to kids in the classroom about that. You know, well, when you say it was a friend of a friend, did you actually know them? Did you check with that friend? You know, and there there are those checks and balances. It just seems safer. And the other reason was they wanted to have more folks. Right. And in terms of kind of bullying um, through social media channels and even online gaming, um, what we're in finding, sir? Yeah, so again, the reason we consistent with, with what we've seen over the last couple of years since we've been gathering data rights and was 28% of children in primary school had experienced a form of bullying. Now, we know that you use the word bullying. We, we break it down into a range of experiences that they might encounter online. So things like being left out of chat groups, which is actually very common, and mean things being said about you in a public way or mean things being said, said to you. Um, so those, those sorts of things add... Uh, 25% in primary school, that's pretty consistent between boys and girls. And then secondary school, which was the first time that we looked at this, it was 40 percent which is really high. And actually girls experiencing this significantly more than boys. So we're raising that gender difference happening at secondary school. So really concerning. Yeah. And Pete, is that because then, because of the transition, you know, from the 8 and 12-year-olds from the, from the kind of the gaming type consoles into the smartphones that they're using now by Instagram or Snapchat or... Yeah, I mean, we were asked a lot about this when we launched the report and why, why is it girls more than boys? And I, and we don't know for sure, but we think it's related to the use of social media because, you know, the, the trends are that we see that, that boys are more likely to be gaming, girls are more likely to be active on social media. It is obviously crossover on both, but that's the trend that we see from primary school up. So girls more active on social media and, you know, they're more likely to be posting videos and content. Um, so I think it's around those, those issues often kind of mean comments posted like an extra, a video or, or this, this leaving out, you know, these groups being created and excluding. We had one case with a primary school where there was a group set up for We Hate, whatever the girl's name was, Susie, We Hate Susie. And Susie knew that the group existed, but wasn't on the group since we're a fifth class kid. And it's just, you know, not a nice experience for that. You know. Absolutely. And so in terms of parents, um, there's, okay, look, it's very easy for parents to go, I need some headspace, I'm going to, you know, go play with your game or, you know, go, go with your phone or here's my song and also you go and they, what can they do differently? Because, you know, as a parent, you kind of go, oh, Jesus, just shut up, kid. We did. Give it a minute. Give it a minute. Leave me alone for a few minutes too. But, you know, what, in terms of, uh, of parents, how can we educate them and how can we get yeah. them on, on, on that journey in terms of what their kids are seeing on social? Yeah. And, and actually, we could talk a little bit about the things that we're concerned about in terms of what children are at risk. But in terms of parents, I'm assuming this audience this is probably like above average in terms of what they're doing to protect their children online because of your expertise and your skills. Um, but by and large, when we're delivering parents' talks, the feedback we're getting is, you know, this is completely overwhelming. I, I don't know. My kids know more than I do. I wouldn't know where to begin. 
you know, it's it, there's a little bit of pen in the sand, um, and those are the ones coming to the talks. Obviously, you always, always every parents talk, you'll have the principal shake your head after us going, oh, it wasn't the parents that I wanted to come, but that came. You know, it's the parents who are already a little bit concerned. So we're co- very conscious, and that's why we do those bigger campaigns, because we do want to try and reach this wider audience, and we've been saying the same thing to the government at any opportunity that we can. You don't have to go out there and support parents. This is a whole new realm of parenting. And we're going to need to support parents so they feel it worked to parent on it, which is, you know, where the same rules apply comes from. And give them the confidence because there are really simple things. And that's the aim of our parents' talk is that parents will leave that session not feeling completely or even more overwhelmed, but actually confident to go home and maybe look up one of the websites that we suggested. You know, we've, we've got great strong recommendations around where you could get your advice, you know, if your if your child is you know on at you to be on Snapchat, like my child, um, go and see what the expert advice on Snapchat. Make an informed decision about whether or not it's right for your child. Talk to other parents in your child's peer group. Are they going to let that? Yeah, you know, because it's a lot easier to say no or not yet if you know that other parents. And I'm now the last parent not letting my daughter on Snapchat. So I, I'm I'm yeah, it's uh, it's it's I'm going to have to obviously think about that uh, in then soon but it is it's really tricky it's a minefield so it's about building that confidence and when children are younger as well we would say check the device like don't be afraid i know some parents say that's an invasion of their privacy and i'm like how old's your child 10 that it's not an invasion this is parenting you need to keep an eye on what they're doing because you can catch things early you know maybe if a chat's turning a little bit mean or maybe they're talking to someone that you're not familiar with you're looking at their friends list you know, you're seeing what they're posting. I think those things are really important. Um, so I would encourage parents to get close to get harder. You know, you're 15-year-old, you're going to be wrestling your phone off them if they try and check it. But, you know, put all those good things in place ahead of time. Um, and see it as ongoing, right? Like it's an ongoing, in the way that we would around children or road rules, children and water safety, that is years in the making. Well, before we get to the point where we can send them off independently to do this, even to make those uh, you know, there's assessment themselves around risk. Um, so that's kind of what we what we try and do. Yeah. Now, I, I remember when I met Kane first of all four four years ago. I know from my old Kane's perspective, I have them absolutely scared shitness. So I, I'm going to walk high about a boundary bubble on the internet because I was being paranoid to death anyway. But and I remember using the anecdotes, for example, you know, I, my, my son and my wife would have sat in the kitchen with the kids. I was saying, you know, if he... It's like, oh, did you hear about this girl who exposed herself to her boyfriend? He's after putting all this up on the uh, internet now, all the friends, still around all the chats. And we didn't say who it was or whenever it was. It was just the two of them were listening, uh, two girls. And they were just taking it all in. So we're yeah. absolutely instilled this fear um, into them. But those type of forums for, for parents when discussing how they would um, manage um, the communications with their children about that. Um, are, are they coming to the fore? Is there groups that maybe um, parents can join to, the, to get like minded be with one hand about this? Yeah. So we're starting to see changes. Um, so we, as I said, we started this eight years ago, and really there was very little being done, being discussed in the media, in schools even. It's still a really peripheral topic in schools, and we want to see that change. We feel this should be a core topic. Children are online. 
they're really active online, so we need to be keeping in step with that and ensuring that they're well educated, well supported at home. Um, but yeah, there have but there have been changes. So we now need legislation. So we Coco's law. So the sharing of intimate images is is illegal. Also, serious online harassment and bullying. It's illegal. Obviously, it's 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 built on the on the tragic case of the cold fox. Um, we have the Online Safety Media Regulation Act, which was passed just in December. So we're going to see changes around harmful content that platforms are hosting. Um, and we're seeing this move in a few schools around the country. You're probably familiar. It was the well kind of the news news over the summer, but schools deciding to kind of take bastards at their own hands and reach out to parent communities because they're often more lethal to schools. They're like putting their hair out and saying, this should all be our problem. This is a parenting problem. If, if parents were just on this at home, we wouldn't be dealing with the fallout in school time. So it's a real source of frustration. So it was actually gratifying to see schools starting to step up and say, all right, what can we do? So they were reaching out to parent communities. Now it's being dubbed the smartphone ban. Um, it's not a word I love because I think it's it's not what this is about. It's just about those conversations that coming together as community and deciding what's in the best interests of children in your community. And if that's holding off as saying, you know, what well, maybe we're not going to let them on Snapchat or TikTok until, you know, they're of an age where they're more able for the kind of content uh, that they might encounter uh, in those places, then I think that's a positive move. So we've seen that in Bracos. We see that in Waterford. We get calls from schools saying, you know, what's this about? How can we get involved? And and I think that's really encouraging. Is that it should be about these calls. What should we be doing? We want to see kind of ships around in the social laws around this. Yeah. Um, I know, for example, Snapchat, you mentioned with earlier in that, uh, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a problem, but they have now developed uh, AI capability within the platform mm. that uh, you can't turn off mm. unless you're both of the pain version. Um, and in those terms, a kid can ask that AI anything advice, and it wouldn't get the answer. Yeah. So uh, you know how concerning is that? Well, I think it's just uh, it's part of this whole kind of lack of accountability that we've seen from tech companies that's regards to their child users, and they've been able to get away with that for a long time. And I'm hoping that that ultimately will change because we're seeing changes at the European level in terms of legislation and the national level. But they just rolled that out. It's my AI feature. They rolled that out from one day to the next. They had been trying it with their paid subscribers uh, and they'd been interested in it as a, as a feature. And then suddenly, literally, they announced over there on that. And, you know, we know that the Snapchat user base skews young, right? So from our data, 37 or 38% of the age 12 year olds have an account on Snapchat. So it is very popular. And that suddenly means you're putting in the, the pocket of those kids, essentially, a really powerful tool. And I, you know, I've been talking to researchers at UCD who are looking at this capability and trying to build tools and moderators. Uh, and they're seeing the flaws and the vulnerabilities. And, and if you read Snapchat's terms and conditions around this feature, you know, they do call it experimental. And they say it may return mis or disinformation. You know, they didn't have control over that. So if they've rolled something out that isn't, hasn't been properly road tested for kids. And, you know, to our mind, they do, you know, these companies do need to recognize children as a, as a distinct user group. Uh, they are using their services. These are often adult environments and we need a lot more to protect them because there is some heinous content being shared. I mean, we had cases of, um, uh, obviously, pornography, unfortunately, all too accessible to, to, to kids being shared in a group of six-class boys, 15 of them, and one of those videos was a toddler being abused by an adult. 
uh, which is deeply concerning. And, you know, you can't unsee, and this is what when law safe kids, I'd read always say that you can't unsee horrible things. So it can really traumatize you. There was another video, and it was 30 seconds, and you saw it in a flash and couldn't unsee it, and it was cat being tortured. I won't say how, it was just horrendous. When Simone, we asked him, oh, I didn't know. My child to see this, he can't I see it. You know, what am I supposed to do? And it is really tricky because she was quite an absent. She was saying that I do this, I check his device, I check, you know, I end these conversations. And this one just got me back into attitude. And that video was shared within like a minute of him being added. And, you know, now that whole group is traumatized. So, yeah, I do think we need to see greater responsibility on the part of these companies. And they're all kind of looking at each other saying, well, you know, we're assigned to TikTok because we're assigned ahead of them. Like, we're doing this and you're... You know, um, but it's not enough. None of them are doing that. With corporate responsibility, maybe on behalf of big tech. And there you have it. Uh, I hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Um, I certainly did. Um, I got a lot from it. And during the live recording um, at our conference, Comsec Live, um, the audience was really engaged, and you can see this this topic resonates with a lot of people, not just parents, but you know. Everyone that that is connected to to children, um, nieces, nephews, grandchildren, grandchildren, etc. So really important topic, um, and it doesn't stop there. Cyber Safe Kids have um lots of resources on their website, um, such as their annual report, um, and they've also partnered uh, with ourselves, Comsec Cybersecurity, um, with a new self paced course for for educators, parents, caregivers, and youth workers. So you can find out more um, on their website, uh, cybersafekids.ie forward slash e-learning uh, for, that, for that free course. Um, so thanks again to Alex um, for participating um, and well done to David as well. He was the chair. Um, not, a, not an easy job. So uh, as I said, hope you enjoyed the, the episode. Please like, share and follow and wherever you get your podcasts. And talk to you again in the next episode.